Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Closing in on the win. The give to Bowie. The three. Not enough. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Down 18 at the break to get the 66-62 win. Knocking off the Northwestern Wildcats. Couldn't help but think to myself as I watched that happen, Zach, and it's Mully and all we got Zach Zayman with What they needed to put that off, to stave off that comeback, was the greatest hair in Big Ten history. That's the only thing that could have saved Northwestern. And we're delighted to welcome that man to our program. He is Tim Doyle. And Tim joins us now on the guest hotline presented by Soda Weight Loss. Visit sodaweightloss.com. That's S-O-T-A. Tim, good morning. How are you? Northwestern won that game, Molly and Zach. You guys didn't realize that because if you bet them, you were getting seven and a half, and it was never a sweat up there in Champaign, never a sweat in that game. So I was surprised to see that Illinois was such a favorite. That one hurt, though, I'm not going to lie. You know, you're up 18 points, you're cruising. But Illinois has done that multiple times this year. I also had Rutgers in a game where I was getting points, and Illinois blitzed them in the second half. Uh, Illinois has that spurt ability. They have that ability with Shannon and Meyer when they go out there and make shots. They're going to be a hard team to handicap in the tournament because when they get rolling, they can almost beat anybody on any given night. Northwestern's like very consistent, almost old school, take care of the basketball, have really good guards. So that was a really fun, great college basketball game. But man, guys, that L was painful for this Northwestern alum. <laughs> it's so dull to say, hey, at least they covered, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Tim, you know, you, you talked about Northwestern style, which is kind of like old school. They, they do have a unique advantage over a lot of teams in college basketball where they've had a backcourt that's played together for a little bit of time. So uh, e- even though there are all these new teams adjusting to the transfer portal, when it comes to the backcourt, the most important position in, in college basketball, there's continuity there. And then they've got the kind of defense that travels. You know, you can make a case they lost yesterday's game not because of their defense, but because Chase Audige didn't have a typical offensive Chase Audige game. You know, I still think if you look up and down the talent of the schools in the Big Ten, I think the overall talent is higher than what's still at Northwestern. But to your point, Zach, what Northwestern has that most teams in college basketball don't have is a culture. You know, like they don't have guys that have played together for multiple years. I mean, you know, Chris Collins was certainly on a seat that was very warm coming into the season, and he lost a guy who starts at Indiana, a guy who starts at North Carolina, and a guy who's six-man for Duke. You know, where is this Northwestern team if they had all those guys? So I think that's going to be ultimately his challenge at Northwestern is keeping guys like it's the challenge for so many people across college basketball. But he has a culture there. They have single-digit turnovers. They play excellent defense. I think hiring former 
Southern Illinois head coach Chris Lowry yep. has changed their defensive schemes. They're so good on defense. But you're right, Zach, like Chase Audis can't go three for 14, three for 15. Like he needed to make more shots. So the fact that, you know, I, after the game was over, I went back and looked at the stats. Northwestern shot in the 30s and on the road in Illinois. I'll say this right now. It was the most embarrassing game of my life. Little League, peewee soccer, CYO basketball. We had played Illinois when they were number one in the country in Evanston, and we played great. We shot like 58%, and we lost by nine. And now we were going down there. It was the end of the season, and we were all sitting in the locker room. They were undefeated. And I remember saying, like, can we just mail in a score? Can we just mail in, like, 84-60 Illinois wins? And we went down there, and we got our butts kicked. I remember checking into the game. I think it was 48-10. to And we lost the game 84-48. And I'll never forget the final score because I wanted to just, like, abort the game like it was a video game. We got pummeled. But that was one of the great college basketball teams of all time. Yeah, that that was a great team. And, you know, I got to tell you, I kind of I, – I, I respect what they've done because they've tapped into that transfer portal, and unlike a lot of teams, they figured out how to win with their three leading scorers all being guys that transferred in. That That's unusual. You know, he does a real good job there. Um, but I, I'm not sure – like, I, I think I saw at the beginning of the year, Georgetown had a bunch of guys, in the, and they are awful. I just think it's hard to – Get those guys to play well on, on when you're bringing in guys. you got to understand your program very well. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, Molly, you and I, last time we ran into each other, we were inside a church. Traditionally, it's outside a <laughs> bar. I like, smoke a cigarette down in like a, an alley somewhere. But you're right. It's about that continuity. It's about knowing one another. And, and what everyone thinks about trust and continuity, I don't know why our, our mind, including mine, goes right to offense. But, but it goes the same way to defense. You know, and you were a soccer player. Like, you know, like, Oh, that guy's a bad defender. I'm going to have to help here a little bit more. All right, I can get up and pressure because I have a big that's going to block shots. Like, you just understand your roles. My wife and I learned this pretty early in our relationship. She's kind of like a back it up on you dancer, like back it up. And I'm more of like a face-to-face Patrick Swayze, dirty dancing type. So, like, the first couple of weddings we went to, like, we weren't really jiving. Now, 10 years later, six years we've been happy, we're finally figuring out how to dance with one another. Nobody puts Timmy Doyle in a oh, corner. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, hey, Tim, when when you look ahead now, because uh, I, I think it's fair to say that Northwestern is going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. This has been an unbelievable year for your alma mater. And the, the big wins that they've had, even a close loss last night in Champaign, but the wins in Madison, Columbus, and Bloomington, East Lansing. I mean, it's been really impressive what Northwestern has been able to do. Let's forecast ahead when you look at the NCAA tournament and they were saying this at halftime yesterday and I don't think they were wrong this is a really good basketball team what do you see as you forecast and you look ahead to the NCAA tournament what can Northwestern do this year I I guarantee they win a game you know whether they're slotted at six or seven spots then after that, Zach, I, I think I feel a, a lot of this about, about 98% of college basketball. Then I think anything could happen. You know, I just had San Diego State last week. They're in the top 25. If Northwestern played San Diego State in a seven-game series, it would be seven games, and it would be 4-3, one of those teams. Like, th- that's how I feel about a majority of college basketball, that anybody can beat anybody on any given day. You know, Purdue was ranked number one in the country 
for an extended period of time. And I really watched their game against Davidson because Matt McKillop was my next door neighbor growing up. Davidson's like a run of the mill team in the Atlantic 10 and guys, it was a game for 36 minutes. So like there's so much parody across college basketball that the way I'm going to handicap when I get my bracket is who has that culture, who has that continuity, what teams are kind of peaking at the right time. What team has an injury to a guy who, oh, man, that's really going to affect them in a negative way? Because now roles have to change. Whatever roles have to change this late in the season, that's not good for a squad. I'll give you a team right now off the cuff, and they won't make the tournament unless they win the MAC. It's Kent State. Rob Senderhoff's a mensch there, and he's an outstanding coach. They went to Houston. They were up one with one minute left. They went to Gonzaga. They were up three with three minutes left. And these are the type of teams I want to see in the tournament, guys. You know, when Loyola made the great run to the Final Four, they became a national story. Sister Jean became a household name. But if they don't win the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, they don't even get in. And I I think that's a shame. I almost feel like the tournament should slot two to three spots for the mid-majors. First of all, no one wants to play them. No one certainly wants to go to their home floor. And that's what we love early on in the tournament. We love those stories of, like, when Mike Jackson makes the three, his mother drinks a beer out of a wooden leg. Like, I want to see the wooden leg. Like, those are the stories you fall in love with early. And then then she's on Good Morning America with the wooden leg, and I'm signing it. Like, I love those feel-good stories, and I love when the little guy gets a chance in the tournament. So Kent State's a team out of the max to keep an eye on. That's great stuff. Um, Tim, Want to talk to you about some uh, NBA as well. We see you on the NBA network as well as CBS Sports. And I, I got to tell you, I thought it was hilarious. I follow you on Twitter. You sent out a photo of you and the former uh, Bull, Mac McClung, after he won the uh, the three-point shooting – or sorry, the dunk contest. And you're like a head taller than that guy. I mean, I don't know how the hell he won the, the dunk contest. I watched it. And, I, and I'm convinced the way he won it was by hit, by making his dunk immediately. He just dunked, and that was it, and he didn't have to, hey, Dad, throw that ball again off the bat. I mean, that was sensational. He was, uh, he was a great show. And, you know, a lot of people are saying he saved the dunk contest. And when I was out in Salt Lake City, you know, I was working with Turner. So I'm in the green room, you know, with the Barclays and the Shacks of the World and oh, Reggie Miller awesome. and – then we're at parties with Lindsey Vaughn and Jeremy Piven. So, you know, you're like, play it cool. I'm cool. Even though I'm not cool, I drive a minivan with 36 cup holders. I'm like this. No one knows you drive a minivan. No one knows you have 36 cup holders. Just play it cool. Yeah, he walks so into I the room like that. Patrick Swayze, right? I mean. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I'm dancing by myself out there. Um, so... So then I see Mac McClung, and I'm like, oh, cool, there he is. Like, I know my son, Chicago Joe, would be excited to, to, to know that I was with him. And then his uh, agent comes by, and he goes, oh, my God, Tim Doyle's here? And I'm like, I start looking around the room. I go, yeah. He goes, Dan Pondman. Now, Dan was a whiz kid recruiting agent and maybe, uh, like, wrote his own newsletter when he was 15 years old, but he's from Evanston. And so he grabs Mac McClung, and he goes, Mac. This is my favorite player when I was growing up right here, Tim Doyle, right? I'm like, am I on hidden camera right now? He's like, hey, Mac, how you doing? So I said to him, now, Mac started his career at Georgetown, and I started my career at St. John's. And I go, Mac, there's not a lot of guys that look like us that played at Georgetown and St. John's, right? And he starts dying laughing. I go, do you mind if we take a picture? 
see, the picture was smooth, but I forgot to get the alcohol out of there. You know, I was thinking, like, <laughs> I, obviously, I drink, like, Miller Lite, but I had to drink champagne at this party. So I'm holding, like, a glass of champagne, and my son's like, Dad, what's that? He goes, orange juice. You know, they serve orange juice at all these parties. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful. So what do you think of the Bulls bringing in uh, Patrick Beverly? Local guy made good. Um, does that mean, is he kind of the missing piece of energy for this lifeless team? Yeah, I, great question. I, I feel for Bulls and Bulls fans because of the Lonzo Ball situation. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, everyone forgets. Like, you know, you lose your point guard, it's sort of kind of like losing your quarterback. You know, like what good team has, like, no quarterback? and you know, Lonzo plays really good defense. He's an excellent passer. He's actually the, the, the opposite of everything his dad is. Like, he's selfless. He's, like, a great teammate. And now he's gone. So, when I watch the Bulls, I think everyone sees the same thing, right? Levine's really talented. DeRozan's a great one-on-one player. And Boots, they have great offensive players. But they have no one who can, like, get him into their offense. There's no one who's, like, the leader of them. They don't guard particularly well. So, um, they're a pretty frustrating team to watch because – They'll put it all together one night, and they're like, all right, this team's back. We just scored 125 points. And then the next game, they give up 135 points. So, you know, they're kind of in that basketball purgatory. And that's not the fault of the front office. That's not the fault of Billy Donovan. Like, they don't have a point guard. So, you know, how good would the Grizzlies be if they didn't have John Moran? And I'm not comparing those two guys, but but John's kind of the head of that snake. And Alonzo had that potential. So, it's unfortunate because I love that the Bulls are like trying to keep the fans interested and trying to win and trying to put out a good product. But the reality is, you know, at best they're a 500 team. Worse than that, actually. 26 and 33. They've dropped six in a row, 11th place in the Eastern Conference, trying to make a push for that play in tournament. But given what you said, there's not any miracle point guard help on the way. So how do you go about putting yourself in a position to make a little bit of a push here and get in the play-in tournament? And the other question, Tim, is if you're not a team that can consistently knock down three-point shots, how do you consistently win in the NBA? Yeah, you defend, you guard, you know, and, and, and you know, they, they have that lack of switching five guys. Like the, the teams that are going to end up winning, Zach, at the end of the day are teams that can guard. You know, Boston can guard. Uh, the Warriors, when they're healthy, they can lock down defensively. Like, that's my biggest concern with Denver is you go look at their defensive metrics, bottom five in the NBA, because Jokic doesn't guard the pick and well particularly well. And Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., that, that's their worst asset is guarding people. So that's why I don't think anyone's taking Denver seriously. If I was running the Bulls, first of all, you'd be in big trouble because I'd be telling everybody, yeah, hey, I run the Bulls, right? I'd like, if I was running the Bulls, I would dump. I would just start over. You know, like, I think DeRozan has immense value. If I was a team like Memphis, I would have went out and got him because I think you could have gotten, like, a lot for your value. And I'm sure they're entertaining that. You just gave Levine a lot of money. I'm not really sure if those guys are best paired together. It's They, they can be exciting at times, but I don't know if you need both of them on your roster. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to poo-poo on what they did because they had a good – thing in place and just Lonzo got hurt and, and that's sports right if Lonzo was playing with the squad you know it was such a small window but they were having so much success so as far as them making a run I think that's absolutely a pipe dream I look yeah. at a team like the Orlando Magic and that's a team that I've been targeting that's mm-hmm. a team that I think can make a run give Boston a great series if they're able to get in in that eighth spot last time the Magic 
Last three times the Magic have played Boston, including two in, in Boston, they beat the Celtics. They're 3-0 against Boston in the last three games. Like, the Magic are going one way, and Boston's go, uh, Chicago's going another way. So I root for the Bulls. I'm a hometown guy, but I, I have absolutely zero aspirations for them. Yeah, I, you know, I, unfortunately, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. And I think that the problem that they have is even moving forward, Lonzo Ball, I mean, he's missed. He's played, what, 35 games in two years. That is that, – that, I don't even know how you get beyond that. And he's got two years left for $40 million or something. So I, I don't know if he's coming back, if he'll ever be back, if he'll ever be the same. It's really a hard situation to look at. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the Orlando Magic signed Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady that right. was supposed to be like this super team, and then Grant Hill got hurt. You know, people forget, because I was working with Grant all weekend in Salt Lake City, like Grant Hill was like becoming the best player in the NBA, and then he went down to Orlando, and people forget that, you know, that team never materialized because he got hurt. So that's why I respect what the Bulls did. Like, they tried. Like, they tried pretty quickly. They brought in a new front of Uh-oh. We've lost him. Like, holy cow, he's pretty good. They're fun to watch. You're going to win, like, 46 games. And then Lonzo got hurt. So, you know, I, I get the frustration from Bulls fans. I watch the games like everybody else. But, uh, you know, when you lose your, your point guard and a guy that's, like, borderline could be an all-star in the next couple of years, like, it, it's going to affect your team. And now they bring in Patrick Beverly. It's awesome to see Patrick Beverly home. I root for Patrick. I know what it's like to go through those challenges. I know what it's like to be the underdog and to keep working your tail off to get to this point in your career. So it's great that he's here, but how is he going to affect the team? I, you know, my hopes are pretty low. Great stuff, Tim. Always a joy to catch up with you. I'll see you in church, I guess. Is that what happens now? We're uh, we... yeah, You know, <laughs> and when I was single, Zach, just FYI, I used to go to the 5 o'clock mass on, on Sunday because that was called the ass mass. And that was like, you could see all the bad decisions everyone made throughout the weekend. You'd be like, ha-ha, I see where your head's at right now, Missy. <laughs> ah, you're a man of faith. There's nothing wrong with that. Thank you, Tim. God bless you. That's awesome. See you guys. That is Tim Doyle. What a, what a character. That's what one heck of a confessional. Yeah. Oh, he's Whew. fantastic. Great guy. He's had a lot of laughs over the years. I'll, I'll tell you a story in the break because I don't want to say it on the air. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 score. Molly and Hall flashback. 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 Yeah, it's a good vibe around camp. I mean, you know, I think the expectations internally are always extremely high and um, you know, you try to get the most out of everybody, but we've got, I mean, names and hardware and guys with uh, real awards, uh, championship caliber players that uh, have proven on the biggest stage. So definitely exciting, good vibe around camp. Guys are into the routines, bringing good energy and understand what it takes to get prepared for 162. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. We've got Zach Zabin sitting in today, and we had a chance to talk to David Ross. What a delight to talk to the Cubs manager. Interesting to get his take on that as well. He's fired up. You can tell there's a, there's a different kind of buzz, energy, whatever you want to call it, coming out of Mesa this spring he, training. He with laughed the Cubs. when you, you mentioned that I said he went through the dark. 
but but the last two years, it's it, horrible. Yeah, it was like a, an Aaron Rodgers retreat for a year and a half with the Cubs as they were retooling after uh, the trading deadline of 2021. But I think during that time, and you heard Rossi talk about it, and this is this is I think the part of the reason for the optimism, in addition to the to the fact that they've added a lot of uh, big league players who have won championships and, and expect a lot of themselves. Yes. yes. It's, it's he grew as a manager. You learn a lot about people during the bad times. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and I mean, boy, um, that was some tough. That was, those were some tough times. You didn't feel like that team was armed enough to be able to compete. It just got to a point where they didn't have enough and there was no way around it. I, you know, the, the fans were still, believing people are still going out there it's still a ton of fun to go to Wrigley regardless but I think that now with the possibility of winning with the expectations raised I think it just becomes almost a relief I think what I learned about David Ross especially during the second half of last year Mm -hmm. you think about all the, the bullpen arms that they had during the first half of the season, I mean, we're talking about like premier guys that went on to playoff teams, whether it was David Robertson, who was traded to Philadelphia, Michael Givens ended up going to the Mets. You had Chris Martin end up with the Dodgers. So, I mean, they lost a lot out of the pen. Okay. He had to reconfigure that whole thing and guys that, that didn't have a lot of experience and he found a way to get the most out of that bullpen. And then in the second half of the year, following the All-Star break, the Cubs had a winning record. And and they went toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in baseball down the stretch. You know, that sweep in New York against the Mets. The, the terrific job they did in the second half against the Philadelphia Phillies, the team that represented the National League in the World Series. I think you learned a lot. And, and using starters that most people had yeah. never heard of. Yeah. Guys like Javier Assad and Adrian Sampson and Hayden Wisniewski had a cup of coffee after the trade with the Yankees in which they sent Scott Efros to New York. Yeah. And now he's, you know, you're expecting some things from him yeah, I think this he's, upcoming I season. Think he's, I think he's the guy that I think is going to kind of pop a little bit. And um, I was saying that before. If, if, if I could send one of those guys to the south side, he'd be my choice. Wisniewski. Yeah. Yeah. I like him a lot. I like what I saw from him. I think he's going to be a good player. The assistant pitching coach of the Cubs, a guy named Daniel Moskis, and I I feel like I'm not giving him enough credit if I just call him the assistant pitching coach because that's his title, but he does so much more than that. He had been in the Yankees organization, knew Wisniewski, and I I think played a big role in in him ending up with the Cubs. And I think that I I like – the deals that the Cubs have made. Yeah. You know, you don't like saying goodbye to some of the most important players in the history of the franchise. But ultimately, you know, if you hit on some of the Pete Crow Armstrong looks yes. like a, a, yes. a guy that eventually will be. Was a, that in the Baez deal with the yes. Mets? Is that where yep. he came from? And and uh, uh, what about uh, uh, El Contera? Was he in the Rizzo yeah. deal, right? Yep. So you do keep an eye on who's coming by which player who left. And, and if a healthy yeah. if a healthy 
Caleb Killian now that uh, you know yeah. the, the lower body's okay if he can regain that was uh, the, the power stuff. Bryant deal. Who else? Yeah. Someone else came in that deal that was pretty good. I don't, I don't remember every deal. I don't know why you keep calling me out on it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, and not every single player in, in, that, that's in the minor leagues right now that's considered a top prospect for the Cubs is going to end up with the Cubs. Some of them yes. may be traded, and you you add more. But I, I think. The reason for enthusiasm is, one, when you turn on the radio and listen to Pat and Ron, that should be enough right there. But when you do listen to Pat and Ron call the games, you're going to hear players playing for your team that you recognize, which I think is a big deal, right? (laughs) Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, Eric Hosmer, uh, Trey Mancini, in addition to Nico Horner and Seiya Suzuki and Ian Happ, right? And then with that, there's an understanding that if if the Cubs, and this is from what Crane Kenny has told us on this show yes. multiple times, right? right. I, I, if the Cubs are, are in the mix at the trading deadline, they can make a move. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the difference. That's and cool. obviously, if they're not, then you kind of go through uh, adding more, trading away some of the veterans who would have done well during the first half of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, um, we have a, a texter checking in says, as a Sox fan, I'm really looking forward to this Cubs season. <laughs> I think I, I think that there's a lot of that going on. I think that uh, that the Cubs have a good vibe going on. I, you know, I've no idea what to expect from the White Sox. I like the idea that they've gone out and got Elvis Andrews, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing both our teams over the weekend because it's it's it symbolizes that the season is coming and it's going to be upon us soon enough. You're the perfect guy to ask about this because this has kind of been a week in which, and it started with Tim Anderson, but it's kind yeah. of been a week of us against the world when mm-hmm. it comes to the White Sox. But doesn't that fit their personality best? I, I suppose. I, I don't. You're not happy. No, no, I, I don't. I'm not going to pretend like I'm overwhelmed. I mean, it was, you know, I, I we played the cut this morning from uh, Pedro Griffal, who came off the field to meet with the media, and he, w- without being asked a question, he just commented on um, Mike Clevenger's uh, uh, outing, his bullpen outing, and you know, you you think about that again. Nobody asked. But it was like, oh, Clevenger looked good, and that, but this and that, and it's it like, I don't want to, I don't want to create like, n- like normalcy, norm, normality, normality, regarding that guy as a White Sox player. It, it's fairly obvious to me after hearing that 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 um, you know, unless Major League Baseball says uh, there's a problem here and and he can't play, and and Major League Baseball has been you know looking into this for six or seven months. I don't know that there's they're going to unearth anything new. They just, uh, you know, we we heard from uh, the the uh, alleged victim of uh, domestic abuse that th- they were talking to her for a second time. Um, I I just I don't know when that will be resolved, and I don't know if the Sox even care about when that's resolved. I don't know if they're they're you know they're sitting back and they're. You know, and again, I think that, you know, MLB could have helped them out. Maybe they should have done better research. But, you know, before that deal was signed, it, it, if the guy is under investigation, that would have been an interesting piece of information to get out there. I understand why it wasn't and why it's not allowed. But 
nonetheless, th- that is uh, very unfortunate. And now the claim that, you know, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you, you know, you could just not line the guy up. It's totally your decision on whether or not you're going to play the guy if they allow him to play. You could eat the $12 million. I think I would prefer that, frankly. I just don't really want to see a guy, you know, and I, I don't the know him. The whole situation I'm not, is awkward and is awkward uncomfortable. And, then, I, I get and it, it. It, it, it really, this morning, more so than previously, when, when you hear what Pedro Grafol said, it's like, oh, okay, so we're, we're going to pretend like there's no issue here and he's just going to be part of the team and then we're all going to move forward and – you know, it's, it's just rough. It's rough to hear that. Before you became the ultra-popular morning show host that you became in, in a previous life, you used to cover some of the best teams in town, Bears, Bulls, and those teams had some controversies. Sure. What's it like, do you think, inside that clubhouse? The things that the well, other I mean, Sox that, players that, can't that, say publicly? Yeah. It, you that know, dynamic. Just knowing the way professional athletes have operated over the years I've covered teams, there is no real connection to this guy. It's not, I mean, he's come in and the circus is in town and there's this kind of negativity and this negative scrutiny, which I just took part in, frankly, um, because I'm, I'm, I find it unpleasant, but um, I think that, 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 you know, isn't a popular thing as you well know, Zach. And that's why you're asking the question. You know, players players don't want to have to talk for their teammates all the time. It's one of the reasons that you want your star players to talk and you want the guy that made a mistake to talk because you don't want to spend your time covering for them or making up for them or in somehow protecting or insulating them. You know, just you go and you say your, your truth and I'll say mine and we'll keep it separate. There, It's not like... All these guys came up together and they're all, you know, they have this band of brothers thing going on. It's kind of a little, I'm sure there are some players, you know, you know well that, that, that it's all about personalities and how they mesh together. And there's, you know, a locker room is, is a lot like a neighborhood. There are different groups of people that, that, are, that find, you know, some common ground and spend a lot of time together. Whether the hunters are over here and the, uh, you know, collectors are over there, whatever it might be, whatever your interests or hobbies or whatever you find interesting, um, you, that's kind of, you tend to gravitate toward that. I don't know who's who's the close friends or who the, you know, there's I just no think Trevor it, Bauer in the locker room, I, in my opinion. You have to have strong leadership inside your locker room or clubhouse and especially strong leadership when it comes to whoever your head coach or manager is in those situations because we've experienced this type of stuff before uh, the legal issue may be different, but were you and what I've noticed moving from football to baseball in football, you just have different positional groups. And many times the defensive line group will not associate with the running sure, backs group. There's sure. no need for them right. to do that. And it's almost like having two completely different teams. You have an offense in football and a defense in football. Very rarely do they interact Unless they're on the practice but, field, but but, but you, you you do have like draft mates, people that mm-hmm. came in at the same period of time. You do have, uh, you know, whether it be the same school or or the same area, you have people agencies, connecting. For, yes. yes, agencies, another big one. Yeah, I I think in baseball, what I've noticed is very different. You're spending about seven months, 
every single day, yeah. very few days off together, it, it, all the time. Right. You better like the people you're around because yes. one or two people in a major league clubhouse it, it poison it, the well for everyone. Exactly. Yeah, with, with and it's not always legal. It, it could be selfishness. Yes. It could be just a, a a personality that you dislike. It's hard. It's it's you know a manager's job is difficult because you have to find a way to get people together, even though. As we know uh, from the untouchables, that uh, hitting is all about individual achievement. Um, but it is, it, and that's just a joke from that movie. I know, but, but you were but giving it, me that evil eye, and I, yeah, I, no, I, I, never, I started shaking a never, little bit. Never, never. You know I'm a, I'm a teddy bear of a man. Um, I'm more like maybe cocaine bear of a man. <laughs> that movie is released today. I saw that uh, earlier. That's pretty ridiculous. I have no idea if that movie's going to be as bad as it looks because it looks kind of interesting in a really bad way, but it, anyway, it's released. So I was just making a joke. My point is simply, you've got to manage personalities. It is coaching is people business. It's about getting people that don't like each other to lay off and to get along. And, and like, you know, you think about Phil Jackson, the great job that he did is he kind of forged this business relationship among guys you do this, you go get the ball, you give the ball over here, you take the ball and you do that, and we're going to win. And that's, that's really how it works. There's, there's different roles and different ways of contributing. And, you know, you can, any locker room can absorb a bad apple. It's not like it's impossible. But as you say, you get a couple of uh, trouble areas and now you're, now you're really reeling. Those are things we don't normally think no. about when it comes to team construction. Exactly. By the way, the most impressive thing outside of all the, the basketball accolades with Phil Jackson, and, and you used to sit courtside during the, the dynasty era, the ability to whistle as loud as he did with the pinkies. He did, yeah. I mean, he did. Um, you know what's funny is, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, I saw a couple of things during that era where, like, you know, Phil would, you know, he'd get on somebody. And then there would be a defense of that person, and then the team would play better. It's it's just interesting how, you know, one guy defending a guy from a coach who's being unfair to him, you often wonder, was that all a strategy by the coach to try to get the rally around the flag? So to circle back to how we started this, and you went to the Clevenger thing, but I'm I'm talking about overall from a White Sox standpoint. You don't like, you don't think it's a good thing that the biggest names on the team have come out publicly and talked about the chip that they, they have on the oh, show. No, I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't have a problem with that. You know, they should have a chip on their shoulder. They should, they should be desperate to try to prove that the underachieving was, uh, was not something that's going to continue. They, they really need to make sure that, you know, I, let me tell you something. The, the cheapest coaching trick you can do is the it's uh it's us against them you know you just hey we've it's only the guys in this room everybody else is against us you know i can't tell you how many thousands of times i've had well now you guys are going to be happy uh because we lost let me tell you something it is it is miserable to be a, around a bunch of miserable people i would prefer if you would succeed because you'll be better to to handle it'll be a, an easier job on me but if you're going to lose, I'm going to report it the way I would if you won. It's That's just the nature of the business. I'm not cheering for you or against you. 
but it's a hell of a lot easier if you would just take care of business the way you're supposed to. And then, then you won't be mad at me for doing what I'm supposed to do. You think Cleveland is worried? Uh, you know, Cleveland, I'll just tell you something. Cleveland should be worried because when you heard that celebration in the locker room where they're, you know, blank the White Sox and they're chanting fire Tony and all that stuff, you know, if that if that bothers me as a fan, can you imagine what that would you know, that's humiliating if you're a player. If if a team celebrates your fall as much as their win, well, I would remember that one. And the core is essentially the same. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Cubs who have a completely different team this year. No, yeah, the Cubs are a different team altogether. This is you know, not different. This is the same. Other than Abreu, I mean, it's it's yeah. that's the same team. Those are the guys that were embarrassed by Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, I hope they're mad about it. I hope they're going to do something about it. Wouldn't that be lovely? All right, we've got uh, we've got Dan and Lawrence. They'll join us next. We're going to stay here. We've got the great uh, Zach Zabeman filling in magnificently for David today, and uh, and we'll talk to the boys next. Mully and Hall on the score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.